Hello, and welcome to the Baba Yaga Project. The Baba Yaga Project is a podcast and blog that focuses on the ritualized year, folklore, and history, lovingly researched and recorded by your hosts, Margot and Sonia. Hi, my name is Margot, and I have a master's degree in American history with a focus on Indigenous studies. And I'm Sonia, and I'm doing a PhD in medieval history. Hello, everyone. <clears throat> we are <laughs> talking about parenthood yet again. New parenthood. We're trying. We're doing our best. I am awake. I am also awake. We've done it. <laughs> we've, we've made it. We are here. And this week, we are talking about feeding the children and how that has changed over yeah. the years. Yeah. Because uh, it is not as straightforward as you might think. <laughs> Which is why we couldn't fit it in last week's episode. Yeah, so I've got, I don't know, like at least half an hour worth of stuff here, and it just would have been really long. Yeah, that's fair. So we'll see if this makes a full episode, or a 30-minute episode, or whatever it is. It's going to be more stuff about babies. It's, It's parenting part two. Parenting part two. Becoming parents part the second. Yes. Feeding... Le bébé. Well done. Yeah. We shall commence. So, right. Babies. What do they eat? (laughs) That's a great question. I mean, I would say a variety of things. (laughs) Not really. That's fair. Well, I mean, so they they do now. Yes. But, um... We've made things more complicated than perhaps they necessarily needed to be, right? Right. Okay. So as as we tend to do, yeah, that's what we've done. Um. Yeah. So in the pre-industrial world, right, we have babies being born and mothers just feeding them the way that mammals do. So 95% of babies um, in the pre-industrial world were breastfed by their mothers or by wet nurses. Um, And, like, there are specific ways that people did this and, like, practiced this and, like, especially with, like, wet nursing and stuff like that. Um, But 95% of babies were fed from a human breast what about the other five percent um yeah and then the other five percent were quote-unquote brought up by hand which is um when they're fed either a mixture of boiled flour and water or animal milk called pap or panada um and a a majority of these children like failed to thrive most often because of a lack of nutrition or contaminated water or milk. Again, this is in the like pre-industrial world, so those things aren't always super safe. Um, and all societies across the globe um, essentially right, begin by feeding their babies breast milk or some sort of liquid substitute and then there's a transitionary period where the baby starts to eat solid food and slowly the ratio of solid to liquid food changes in english we call this weaning um, and the ages at which this happens really depends on cultures but it's anywhere from six months to a year some cultures continuing to breastfeed um, alongside eating solid food 
uh, well into their second or third years alive, you know. Yeah. So, like, in into toddlerhood and early childhood. Yeah. Um, and so we have these babies are being fed breast milk. Um, and we talked about this a little bit on in like our birthing episodes. Um, where this problem that we talk about now of like women who for economic like so there's there's a, a debate now about whether or not like uh is breastfeeding the best way to feed a baby um which like scientifically it's just like the the easiest way to ensure that a baby has like full nutritional needs met um but there has always been throughout history like various reasons why someone might not be able to breastfeed um especially you know in this pre-industrialized world where it wasn't guaranteed that there was gonna be a mother yeah exactly and like that's that makes sense yeah you know there's not always going to be a mom around yeah and it is i just also to Put, put a pin in this for anyone who is a parent to a small child. We at the Bobby Yaga Project support yeah, however fed you wanna, is best. However you want to feed your fed, kid. Fed is best. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I just felt the need to put that in there because people on Whatever. Twitter get real mad about other people on Twitter. Yeah, so in the I'm world... Like, stop. In the world before formula, um, feeding a baby stuff that is not from a human... Um, was not a great idea that you normally wouldn't get enough vitamins or proteins um, into said baby. Uh, but this wasn't the problem that it is in an industrialized world because most women were having babies together, right? Like multiple babies would be born in a town around the same time. Like there was usually a woman who was breastfeeding and would be able to breastfeed the baby so that's what like wet nursing or you know like something like that either because you are a fancy noble person and so you're just not going to feed the baby yourself or because you know it's not, you can't for whatever physiological reason feed the baby yourself or because you died in childbirth whatever reason <laughs> like somebody else might be but there there was almost always going to be an, another woman who is currently breastfeeding and would be able to help support that child. Yeah, I mean, as we've talked about before, like, people in in the past, right, like, if you were biologically female, like, you were going to spend a good, like, you were going to spend the majority of your adult life in some form of, like, the reproductive cycle. Like, either you were pregnant or postpartum or like, like you were for the most part, you were either pregnant or breastfeeding. Yeah. Like, there's pretty much always going to be someone around who was lactating essentially <laughs> at the time. Yeah. Um. So this the the discussions in this like current debate about like whether or not you should breastfeed your baby or whatever, where it's like some people have to go to work and some people have like can't physiologically produce enough milk to feed their kids. Like this wasn't an issue. Yeah in the pre-industrialized world, like, there was going to be someone. There was a titty out there. 
exactly <laughs> somewhere and, yeah and i mean it's also that most like women's work would have been done within the home like and collectively yes and collectively so like if you are i mean when i'm talking about work i'm not talking like you know as we've discussed in other episodes i'm not talking about like 1950s housekeeper i'm talking like i must spin the thread and then weave the thread into cloth and then sew the clothes for my family and if you're doing that within your own home you know it's it's easy enough to have the baby who is as we talked about last week swaddled in their cradle you just you feed the baby between yeah working on your spinning wheel yeah want to um so right uh 95 percent of babies were breastfed um and weaning took place over the course of months or years um and in the like euro western world um the way that this you would start doing this was um, that you would start to introduce cereals or meats when the baby started to show teeth, um, but only if they were really well cooked um, as thin gruels, broths, or juices. You didn't want to feed... <laughs> this is like... Uh, you didn't want to feed uh, the baby fruits and vegetables um, until they were like two or three years old. And this lasted a lot longer in the u.s um americans were generally hesitant around fruits as it was said that they could cause fevers um, especially diseases like cholera which would cause diarrhea that killed a lot of children um generally from like our understanding now it was not the fruits that were causing this issue it was like that you know they were there was bacteria on the outside of the fruit yeah it's um, like how right now we are having the like salmonella outbreak with onions right like yeah or contaminated water was being used to clean the fruit and that or vegetable and that was like getting into the baby's mouth so yeah the uh fruit caused fevers people were really uh hesitant about eating a lot of fruit um and obviously this is before people knew about vitamins so you wanted to, like, build up the strength of the baby, but you would do this with, like, gruels and cereals and, like, broths, uh, really cooked down meats, um, as a way to, like, start introducing food, but not, like, start introducing solid food, but also not give your baby cholera. Yeah, that's that's a fair concern to take, you know? But what we have start happening um, with the Industrial Revolution is an advent of processed and canned foods. Um, and one of the things that's, like, really interesting about this period is... That, like, by looking at what we feed to babies, uh, we can understand a lot more about mass production and consumption and advertising and the way that that has affected our ideas of parenthood. Yeah, so the Industrial Revolution comes along and uh, people start making, like, canned or tinned foods, um, which there's a big push in the late 19th century to... um, Again, because of this fear around, 
like fruits and vegetables like causing diseases that uh by cooking them essentially to death you could like break them down into their like basic parts and then you would be less likely to get sick from them um and eating these like man- scientifically manufactured foods were seen to be like healthier and so there's this big push in the late 19th century to get people to eat like as much canned fruits and vegetables as possible which is kind of a problem um because this is also the time uh there's like a lot of economic crises happening in this period and uh trying to tell people that the food in that like they could grow themselves in their garden is going to be less healthy than food that you purchase from somebody uh is like not a great look when we like look back on it um but the other thing that happens is as we get into the um 20th century is that there so there's the, the discovery of vitamins really sort of changes the whole game um so germ theory is really catching on everybody's like okay maybe that is what's actually causing all of these fevers and we can eat vegetables um, but we should cook them to death and then uh scientists discover vitamins and they're like oh damn we should be eating vegetables um and essentially what happens is that there's not Right, the the idea, the concept of vitamins is introduced, and everybody is like, awesome. But it's not like fully researched or understood how exactly like babies would be getting vitamins. So this idea of like we should introduce as many foods as early as possible to babies so that they can have like this super jump start and like get all of the vitamins. Um, becomes really popular even if like babies can't actually process all of the food so there's this idea of like you like younger and younger they start doing these like experiments of like oh well what should we be feeding babies and um there's this whole division of the u.s government called the children's bureau that has like all of these like pediatricians handing out recommendations um, on how to gauge the relative health benefits of this new industry of like canned and preserved foods and the uh, people who are making the foods are creating a whole new market of this is food explicitly for babies this is baby food which is something that had never existed before so vitamins come into the mix they're like we should be feeding babies vitamins um we should get them to them as early as possible because that's how they'll be healthy and you should make sure that they've been scientifically produced so you shouldn't just be feeding them like food from your house because you don't know you might be cooking all the vitamins out of it or something like that was a lot of the stuff there and scientists really liked the industrialized food because it created a um standardization in the product for them to like do tests on and so they were like we know that if you're feeding your baby Gerber green beans then like they're getting this amount of vitamins because like the all of the green beans are produced the same way um 
And so that becomes, like, really popular in, like, these recommendations that, like, you should be feeding your baby uh, this, like, industrialized, industrially produced uh, baby food. And Gerber especially becomes this icon of convenience and modernity and, like, signals this combining of the ideas of mother and consumer rather than the... Uh, like conception that had existed before of the mother as producer so right the producer of fabric the producer of food the producer like the gardener and all of this stuff um no now a mother could determine how much she like loved her children's by what she was purchasing for them uh which is excellent a, a thing that we should definitely always be it's definitely not a problem. <laughs> definitely love is quantifiable by <laughs> how much money you spend on your children. Correct. Yeah. And uh, the the Gerber brand really sort of revolutionized um, advertising as well. So we have this new product that's being put out, baby food, and we have these scientists who are saying babies, like, as soon as you can, you should start feeding, like, before they can sit up, which is actually really dangerous, but we should be feeding them, like, mushed up foods, not just, like, milks. Um, so this, like, there's there's these parts of, like, the actual industry developing, and then also advertisers getting in on it. And Gerber becomes sort of, like, the leader in this, um, and they have like a campaign to get an image right they like it's like a contest to get an image for their new brand of baby food um and this woman who's an artist sends in the sketch that everybody now knows as the gerber baby um and this really sort of changes the way that baby products were advertised to mothers um and it's essentially like that the images surrounding the product were supposed to be viewed from the mother's point of view, right? So you're looking at a happy baby who's happy to have Gerber food rather than an image of like a mother feeding a baby, right? You, the, the viewer is of the food, of the product, of the advertisement is supposed to be the mother. POV. You're a mom feeding your baby mushy vegetables. Exactly. And it's called matraocularity. Um, yeah. And it's it was a whole a whole thing. Um, a lot. Uh, it sort of like changed the way that all of these uh, advertisements start to like so Gerber's leading the way and now we have all of these images of like happy babies eating happy baby food and scientists um who have discovered vitamins and this is like this massive paradigm shift in understanding human development and like how the medical community is going to like understand food um, and how we think about what people should eat and how we should interact with food and like how we should be thinking about whether or not food is good or bad um rather than in this like sort of puritan like lustful gluttony way of like oh well i enjoy this too much it's now is it like good for your body kind of thing which had not really existed before um 
And of course, like I said before, doctors really favored industrially made foods because of the nutritional nutritional uniformity of um, large batch foods that had a standard cooking practices. Um, and this was like, because again, because it made experiments easier, not necessarily that like the food was actually any better for anyone. Um, though like they, <sighs> while they had discovered vitamins, they hadn't figured out what fiber did for anyone. Um, so the basic standard practice for people at the turn of the 20th century was to like cook all of the fiber out of your foods especially if you're giving them to a baby um and like this this idea of vitamins like scientists really came to the conclusion that the most amount of fruits and vegetables prepared in a quote-unquote scientific way given to a baby as early as possible was like the best way to feed them um hint it's not not the best way um, but this is sort of like the ideas that have us going into, um, the 1950s and the period of the baby boom. So the, uh, as they're, you're coming out of World War II, Gerber's really like taking over everything and they start to become really afraid that like birth rates are going to plummet. And this is because like they were in Europe where things were not so good. Don't know if you know anything about 1940s Europe, but it was not a fun time. Yeah, you know, I think that might have, <laughs> you know, the, the the birth rate might have something to do with all the all those dead people. Yeah, you know, all all the people who died. Yeah, or were, you know, badly badly wounded and could no longer have children, or who had been so malnourished for so long that they could not have children, or. You know, any any number of horrific things that had happened to people <laughs> where they weren't making babies. Can't imagine. Uh, wow. Why yeah. We... So the... Although, you know what? I say that now, but like here we are with people being like, nobody wants to work anymore. And I'm like, are we just ignoring that like a good chunk of the workforce died in the last <laughs> two years? And like a lot of people have become permanently disabled, disabled and are no longer able to work. Like. Maybe it's not that nobody wants to work. It's just that people died in the panini. That doesn't matter. It so doesn't yeah. matter. So the it's birth fine. rates Sorry. are declining in Europe That's... and Gerber is yes. freaking out. Agreed. And so they start doing this thing where they are advertising baby food for like everyone. Like everyone should eat baby food. Um, especially Delicious. the elderly and quote unquote invalids. Um, which is how you get these amazing like late 1940s recipes um from these home economists in newspapers and magazines that are like all of these things that you can make with baby food uh which is essentially i looked at a few of them they're horrifying they're mostly normal recipes but blended up yeah a lot of bisques of things that shouldn't be a bisque i mean yeah, well, there's a lot of horrifying foods that come out of the 1940s and 50s because yeah. people are just like, why not? This seems like a good idea. And yeah. You're like, does it, friend? Does but it? Luckily for everyone um, who doesn't want to eat baby food, um, the birth rate did not decline. We have the baby boom, right? 
Uh, and this period, the mid-1950s, was all about consumptions. Um, Americans wanted to buy things, and they had money, unlike the rest of the world, which had been bombed into oblivion. Um, and or was part of the wider influence of state communism, which was not, like, really a vibe for anyone. Yeah, you weren't really going out and, like, <laughs> buying fun things for the baby in soviet russia yeah but in america the purchaser was it was like purchaser as citizen like or citizen as purchaser it was a civic good to buy things you needed to boost that economy the economy is the god of all things um and you should be purchasing things for your baby. And you should be purchasing things that you couldn't have before for your baby. You should be buying all sorts of stuff. That meant that you were a good parent. And buying luxury things uh, like signaled that you love your child. Um, and one of the ways that like people could show that they were like good parents was introducing babies to as many foods as possible as early as possible it was seen as like an educational thing like you're going to expand your child's palate and um this was the period when commercially made baby food was no longer a luxury but a requirement um along with like manufactured toys and clothing and like all these sort of specialized um things specifically for babies yeah like all the baby furniture and baby like i don't know what to label them as like devices yeah you know, like all the different like playpen car seat jolly jumper stroller the the, the all, all the things that like yeah fold down into things and <laughs> become what i mean obviously please get a car seat that's an actual safety thing if you're gonna drive anywhere yeah. with a baby but you know what i mean like you suddenly have all these things where it's like things to put the baby in yeah multiple baby holding devices yeah the uh the other thing that um is like weird to think about um but the mid-century is this time when this this thing happens in America, in, like, the American cultural sphere of influence, uh, that changes the way that we think about feeding babies in a weird way that doesn't necessarily have to do with industry in the same way as, like, the production of baby food does, but the sexualization of the breast really takes off in a way that it had never existed before. Um, right? You know, we when we think about clothing and stuff in the past, a lot of the reasons that there were like long skirts and long sleeves were that the parts of a woman's body that were super sexualized were like your legs, things that exist between your legs, things that lead to accessing stuff between your legs. You know, it was that the breast was for feeding children. And like, there might be some like, sexualizing in the way that like you can sexualize any body part but it wasn't like a primary sexual organ in the way that it became in the mid 20th century yeah like i mean you have all the you know all, all those portrait all, all the portraiture of the women in like yeah. you know 18th century where just titties out just 
fully everywhere but like (laughs) and yeah i'm not it's not that it wasn't sexualized at all but it's also like that was not its primary function that was was not how you were going to see it most of the time yeah nobody was going to be like in the same way that like wow hands can be sexy or your shoulders can be sexy but like you're not thinking of like the utility of a shoulder is for sex yeah you're not like looking at it and being like put those indecent shoulders away yeah well i mean unless your school dress code or whatever but you know (laughs) um but so like this because of this sexualization of the breast, breastfeeding became viewed as unnatural and deviant, and it was aligned with quote-unquote backwardness and lack of civilization, and thus baby food represented a civilized society. Um, also, it had the, the double factor of it was the Cold War, and buying stuff was patriotic, because if you're going to support American industry, that was dope. Well, yeah, and also... There was the whole, like, baby formula. Like, that way you know exactly how much yeah. food baby is getting. And you know exactly what vitamins and minerals. And it's, like, measurable and, like, yeah. scientific. Um, versus, like, nursing, which is a lot more, like, not sure how much baby it's growing. About a boobs worth of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the sexualization of the breast really, really accelerated. Like, it, it had been sort of taking off um, from the 1920s onward, but when we have World War II and this pinup girl and the Hollywood icons with the bullet bras and all of these things, that really um, created a world in which the breast couldn't exist as a source of infant nutrition. Um, breastfeeding, especially publicly became something that was viewed as unnatural and modernity and our like new world meant that breasts were for men and sex that's right ladies your breasts are not for you or your spawn they are for men much like the rest of you (laughs) and um with the the like hyper visualization of the this modern culture um breastfeeding cultures tended to exist in the developing world but they were viewed as like less civilized so you have breastfeeding cultures right the in an industrializing or like pre-industrializing parts of the world um, where obviously people weren't going to pay for a problem that didn't need to be solved Um, and these tended to be less like white parts of the world Um, and they tended to be more tolerant of exposed breasts because they weren't sexualized Um, but this is where we get uh the 1950s and 1960s National Geographic articles where like, so yeah, this is a culture where like Euro Western and like American sphere of influence cultures become very, very visual. And a lot of the media is visual media. So we have like photography and print media and all of these things where like you're getting color photographs all around the world. And like Nat Geo is sending photographers out to like teach everyone in america what life is like in other countries and in other countries they're like 
breasts are for feeding babies. And so if they're out in the world, like, that's fine. And so you have all of these, you know, this is where you get the, like, images of, like, women in Africa with their babies and, like, they're not wearing shirts and, like, that's totally normal. But because of how hyper-sexualized that image has now become in America and in countries, you know, influenced by this American culture, uh, that's seen as, like, backward and gross and, I mean, it gets, like, really racist um so you have this as like at the height of the 50s and 60s this disturbingly racist ideology develops around baby food um where the goal really was to introduce solid foods or like mushed up baby foods um as quickly as possible um which could actually be pretty dangerous um but it it made babies seem more quote-unquote human and this is like the actual sort of like dialogue that's happening at the time um which when you read human you can read that as white um and this is we get like there's a lot of like weird ideas that are like very cold war influenced and very like euro western manifest destiny go white people kind of thing um where not just was it that like you weren't beating your baby in an animalistic way regardless of the fact that like you're an animal um but that the somehow the fact that it was expensive right this wasn't a free resource that you could use to feed your baby like as long as you were feeding the mother then the baby could eat like the fact that it was an expense pointed to how developed it was um because again like the mid-century was all about buying stuff and capitalism and you couldn't just feed your baby you had to feed the market um and this is also where we get this idea then like there's this period in the 1950s where people become like really obsessed with spoons and like baby spoons right so um there had been before like baby spoons and stuff and the concept of like being born with a silver spoon in your mouth but this really becomes like a cultural icon in the mid-century and this is where like this actual literal silver spoons are used to feed babies you would get a baby gift at like baby showers would be literal silver spoons from tiffany's with like engravings and all sorts of shit it me i got those spoons yeah but you were supposed to actually use them to yeah feed. i don't think my parents yeah, actually no. used them i'm pretty sure this was like a my grandma's friend gave us these so there are little silver spoons somewhere in my parents house that are tiny little baby spoon that has my my uh initials engraved yeah so but yeah um, it it becomes a a thing it's very ingrained in people from that time period yeah yeah they're like obsessed with uh spoons um because babies shouldn't in the same way that it was like you know we talked about how silly it was like in our modern conception to think about um in the early modern period how afraid people were of letting their babies crawl like oh because they're gonna become animals well you're not supposed to ever let your baby eat with their hands um because racism 
And so you had to feed your baby with a spoon and then as early as possible teach the baby to use a spoon itself. Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, another, another, I have many asides this episode, but can I just say, people, we have such weird ideas about when you use forks and knives and when you don't. Because the thing is, everyone is over here in like, you know, quote unquote, the Western world being mm-hmm. like, no, no eating with your hands ever. But then like, there are people, a lot of people, like, in Europe, especially Eastern Europe, where there's, like, foods that they're not super familiar with. So when they first came over there, things like pizza and hamburgers, like, people would fully eat it with a fork and knife. And then Westerners lose their minds when they see, like, <laughs> someone who's, like, immigrated from the former, like, East Block yeah. eating their pizza with a fork and knife. And I'm like, P- pick a lane. You gotta pick a lane. Yeah. North America. Can people eat with their hands or not? Decide. Um, Yeah. So in this period, um, no, which is probably why my grandmother eats uh, French fries with a fork. Also, you couldn't have spicy food for babies. Um, That was bad for them because that's what brown people eat. Brown people eat spice. I'm not kidding. This is what the notes say. (laughs) um and so there's no there's literally no evidence that spicy food or anything like that could harm a baby like if it's an old enough to eat food then like a baby can eat essentially whatever an adult is eating as long as they have them develop the musculature to chew and swallow food or you know whatever like the texture of the food is so like it is perfectly reasonable if you come from a culture that uses a lot of spice to feed your baby that food. It will not hurt them. It won't cause them indigestion. It won't do... The baby will be fine because babies can eat spicy. It's fine. Uh, but there was this whole idea in specifically the U.S. that like spicy food in general was bad for you. Um and like the I, the the evidence there is is literally just that like oh well people in like India eat spicy food and they eat with their hands and that is bad so don't don't do that just use ketchup or whatever like it yeah i mean like i honestly don't know how to explain this other than being like there were white people in america who were just really racist and thought that food with flavor was bad and so they decided that it was bad for you yeah and also you couldn't buy it in a can from an american grocery store so it had to be bad for you because it excuse me and then like (laughs) no i mean there there is right there's that like you know very like Everything has to be uniform. Yeah. It all has to be bought from the store and it's all made the same. And we've made it very bland so that there is like no pot, like deviation. Yes. There, well, there's no deviation. And also, it's like it's going to be the most broadly appealing in, in that it will yeah. be so inoffensive yeah. to everyone that like anyone can eat it essentially. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like, you know. There, there were things about like, oh, like don't don't eat too many spices if you have a a hot countenance, like <laughs> back in the like yeah. in the Middle Ages. But that had to do with like they literally thought that your body was composed of four yeah like 
humors and you had to keep them in balance. This is but just, also like yeah. access to spices was a whole other thing. Yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, so by the 1960s formula and baby food was so entrenched in American culture that um if you were reading about it or seeing it in advertisements or anything, it was no longer referred to as quote unquote artificial or proprietary foods. Um, processed foods uh, had taken up most of Americans' diets by the 1960s, um, and feeding babies processed food had reached an all time high, and breastfeeding had reached an all time low, with 20 to 25% of American babies being breastfed at birth and only 5% still being breastfed at six months. Um, and the result of this was that Americans were becoming more and more acclimated to processed food essentially from birth because this baby food and these like industrially created foods for infants um, were being made in the same way that all other processed food was being made. So they're being packed full of salt and sugar and preservative, as well as other weird processed textures and additives and all of this stuff and if that's what you're being fed from birth that's what you're going to keep eating for the rest of your life um which again is why it's totally fine to feed your baby food from your culture if it involves spices if you make jerk chicken or curry or whatever on the daily feed it to your baby it's fine i mean like if they're old enough to eat food sitting up on their own and chewing Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. Otherwise, feed them a liquid. Um, but by the 1970s, there was obviously had been like a few more decades of research into how industrial food affected people's health um, and people's ideas around food were changing. Um, there had been a lot of you know, like investigative journalism and exposés about how you should not necessarily trust giant corporations. Like maybe they don't have your best interest at heart. Wow. (laughs) Shocking. Um, So people began to fear commercial additives, especially sugar and salt. There was a lot of new medical findings about how sugar might not be super good for you and, uh, salt might be causing heart problems and people were wondering why all are, why are all of these things in our baby food um, and the baby boom came to an end but economic growth really continued unabated and um, essentially so what happens there is there are fewer actual babies but more individual families with more individual income which meant more this meant that there was more money to be spent per child. And Gerber was like, excellent. Um, and obviously other, um, singling Gerber out just because everybody knows it, but um, obviously other baby food companies also, they started to expand what they dealt in, um, making other subsidiary companies that made insurance for babies and preschools and other schools and all sorts of stuff for the babies. Um, up until the mid-1970s when we have an inflation crisis which created a need for more dual-income households. Um, we also have, this is the period when we get like the women, women's rights movement and more educated women 
wanting to do things outside of the home. Um, and so, like, yeah, essentially the 1970s comes along and more and more women are working outside the homes. They're not home just cooking up tiny Vienna sausages wrapped in gelatin for their families. Um, which means that, again, people are buying more quote-unquote ready-to-eat foods, um, which are more products to sell for, like, longer periods of time for, like, different stages of being a baby. So this is where you get, like, the special Gerber toddler foods and snacks for babies and, like, snacks for toddlers and, like, food for children, like, ready-made food made special for children's palates and then like adult microwave dinners and stuff like that um and this is when we get the idea of like babies are special people they're not just regular humans but they have their own tastes and needs and like they want to eat things for baby palates and baby palates are something that are is different than an adult palate which again there isn't really actual evidence for if you feed your baby something enough times like they will be used to it and that's what they'll want to eat so whatever um but this is also a period where people again in like their general fear over commercial items and companies um canned food starts to be really really questioned uh especially because of reports of high lead exposure in children in the 1960s and 70s, Um, (laughs) which leads to the ever-present question that is on TikTok right now of whether or not literally every boomer has brain damage from leaded gasoline and lead paint and lead in canned food and lead in everything. Um... But this leads to, in the late 1970s and early 80s, the quote-unquote, what it's known as the natural food movement or the health food movement. This is really spearheaded by Adele Davis, who started her work in... (laughs) uh, Who started her work in the... Yeah. uh, Sonia is on the interwebs looking at lean cuisines for babies which I'm, is a real thing I'm, yes okay they're, they're not lean cuisines but they're but like, like you know they're, frozen they're like the, dinners yeah made special for I, babies yes that, those are things that exist wild. i didn't know that existed so adele davis is was a natural food person i don't know advocate advocate yeah there we, there we go um we she started there. publishing books about how to eat healthy vegetable based foods mostly in the 1950s but she really caught on in the late 70s um and her whole spiel was that mainstream food was poisoning americans in the name of profits which i mean she's not wrong um but this really caught on in the u.s that mainstream food was a ticking time bomb and that we needed to return to a quote-unquote natural way of eating um And this really pushed American women toward wanting to make their own baby food, 
Um, so this allowed them creative control over what they were feeding their babies. It reduced food cost and allowed women to monitor what was going into the food. Um, this is basically a response to a general distrust of large institutions and the government and capitalism, right? This is the period of like ExxonMobil spills, the yeah, Exxon well. Valdez and um watergate and like oh my gosh our government's been lying to us this whole time you mean we weren't in vietnam for good reasons who could have guessed oh man what a surprise so anyway this these things were actual surprises to a lot of americans in this period like looking back we're like of course nixon was lying to everyone and of course they were napalming cambodia and saying that we had nothing to do with cambodia but like we're looking at this from 60 years of yeah like learning about oh my gosh the government said that they were doing this thing and really they were just killing people surprise yeah yeah they didn't have the 60 years of experience this is fair at that period um but anyway so like yeah this really um some serious moves uh, were made. This is post-counterculture hippie movement. Um, so, like, the general gist of where the American culture and zeitgeist is um, is a lot less in favor of massive industries and institutions. And obviously the industry wasn't happy about this. So what did they do? Sonia, what did they do? I don't know, Margo. Tell me, what did they do? They capitalized on organic baby food so that wow. they could sell you organic stuff at a higher cost. And this wow, is that's sort of the same they thing they did with grown-up food. <laughs> yeah. So this really is where we get into the 21st century now. Um, none of the sort of like underlying problems were solved of like, hey, if you have working mammary glands, like just feed your baby that for until the baby expresses a lot of interest in eating and it can sit up on its own and not choke to death like that is a way but like we're not solving any of the structural problems that can prevent women from doing that we're not um solving any of the issues of like people live in single family homes without a lot of support from like neighbors and friends who might also be having children marco that would be doing a communism <laughs> can't believe you would suggest that so uh essentially we've just alerted everybody to all of the problems with feeding your infants and your family food produced by major corporations who have no interest in your actual well-being and just want your money uh without providing a means to feed anybody outside of that system and so what have we done we've capitalized on food that we're telling people is organic that may or may not be healthier or safer um, but is definitely going to be more expensive so now baby food is still a major portion of the international food market and we're expanding into industrialized na industrializing nations because Ooh. like now we can tell all of the you know, people in these countries that we were making fun of in the 1950s that, like, all of their, like, cultural practices are wrong and bad, and they should also be buying baby spoons and baby food. Um, 
And they're doing this on like multiple levels. So you have the major producers, i.e. Gerber and all of those, and then the smaller organic baby food makers, which are growing and taking up a like alarming portion of like this market. Um, that doesn't really need to be a market because hint hint, babies can just eat food. Yeah, another aside, I'm still looking at baby food on my phone. <laughs> they sell baby food in like little pouches too. Yeah. Like they don't, you don't even need the spoon anymore. It's just like a. No, yeah, it's a pouch. It's a caprice. That you can just sort of shoot into a baby's face. Yes. Incredible. Things have changed so much. I haven't interacted with babies since I was myself quite small. (laughs) So, like, I'm I'm catching up on like the last 20 some odd years of baby innovation. And it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, And so, like, most of the things that were really troubling about like the health claims and the marketing that was happening in the mid-century is still like the relatively little real consequences have come from like concerned consumer groups who are like hey maybe we shouldn't be pumping babies full of processed food and sugar and salt and additives and stuff um like it's like nothing of like really has changed except for now like they're like more organic so it's like raw sugar instead of corn syrup um there was also a like really troubling trend of um marketing baby food to adults in the 2010s where they were like hey you should do this baby food diet became really really popular for a while um where adults were eating baby food for portion and calorie control calorie control um the problem with that is, again, baby food is, like, overly cooked, and so it has, like, next to no fiber, and also, like, no vi- calcium or vitamin D, which are things that, like, adults really need for brain function, um, and there's, like, other nutrients that you need to support an adult uh, body that you can't find in just exclusively baby food, because, again, the baby food is supposed to be supplemented with, like, breast milk or formula, Um yeah, and also it's uh, an adult brain that is like eating real food. Like part of the way that you cue your your brain to tell you that you're not hungry anymore is like through these sensory things of like chewing and eating. Um, and baby food doesn't give that to an adult, so that was a really bad time for a lot of, especially women. Um, But yeah, we're essentially like the, the, the big thing that came out of this industrializing of food for infants is that the only person who should be feeding a baby is that baby's like mother, um, And that the way that you feed the baby is a, like, direct reflection on how good of a mother you are and that you become a good mother through consuming in the right ways. So it's this this mother-as-consumer complex uh, where it's not whether or not, like, your baby is well-fed. Um, It's whether or not they're well fed on the right kinds of things. And those things are generally not like 
what's easily accessible and affordable and possibly comes from your own body. Um, and also, like, the double standard of, especially in America, where you're not given maternity leave or enough time to, if you wanted to breastfeed your baby, like, to do that in a way that is healthy for mother and child, like, no, you have to go to work. Yeah, and I mean, it's also that, like, the only real pushback we've seen in a lot of ways is this, like, very, very hyper-individualistic, like, breast is best movement, where yeah. it's this, like, well, it's your own fault that you aren't, like, you have to breastfeed your child, and if you don't, then it's your own fault, and you're a bad parent. Yeah. We're, like, there's without, no, there's yeah, no acknowledgement. Like, there's no uh, why someone can't do that yeah and also that like we're living in a society where you are going to be faulted for like what is what will be seen as failures in parenting when there is like systemic barriers to accessing certain things yeah. that did not used to be like that didn't used to be a problem. So yeah. like pre nineteenth century industrialism and the industrializing of uh, foodways, these were not. It was not a problem to access breast milk for ninety five percent of women with babies. Yeah, right. That was not a problem. Even if you yourself had just had a baby and you could not produce enough milk to feed it, there would be somebody with a breast to feed said baby, and it yeah. like it's. Just, be fine um yeah. but we've created this like hyper individual you are supposed to provide absolutely everything for your child regardless of like whether or not you're being supported by the society um this idea that like you as an individual should be able to provide everything which is just like what especially when we look at historically how humans have provided for themselves is not that's it's not how we do that. It's not how no. we've ever done that. It's not how I mean even back to like hunting and gathering, like we were not just like okay, now you have to go out and hunt for your dinner and gather for your dinner and that like people have been storing food collectively since people existed. Mm-hmm. You cannot individually provide for yourself. That's yeah. just, it's not, that's not how humans work. That's not how any primates work. And it's not how we should be expecting mothers to work. Yeah. And I mean, uh, there is just like the capitalizing on that yes. fear and guilt. Because when you look, it's like, even if someone is trying to like not buy pre-made baby food, it's like there's so many products out there yeah. that are like, but you need this, this, and this if you're going to breastfeed. And, you know, you need this special blender if you want to make baby food yourself. And it's like, stop. Stop. Just stop marketing like this to people who yeah. are trying to do their best. And you're preying yeah. on people who... Again, like, again, I'm sure some of these products are, are fine. But, like, I'm not... You know, like, making people feel guilty for not having the, like, you know... All, all the all the bells and whistles involved. Yeah, the you know? takeaway from my hey, maybe we shouldn't have industrialized baby food talk is not like, 
oh, I'm, I am judging anyone for the way that they feed their baby. Feed their baby whatever you want to feed your baby. Yeah. Um, my problem is that we collectively, as a society, have decided that we are more interested in the capital that can be gained from mothers by producing food that their babies may or may not need that is like specially marketed for babies specifically and full of all sorts of shit that babies don't need like that we've done that and then also set up a system where mothers can't just or like you know whatever lactating parent uh can't be close enough to the baby or have enough support to just like ex- just like exist yeah exactly right like we've created this structure that has like imprisoned people in this like complex system of like you have to purchase all of this stuff because otherwise you don't have access to an- enough nutrients you know because you can't be yeah. with your child all the time or and your child can't be like with, like any with anyone that is like trustworthy enough or like close enough to the family to like provide food in a safe way like all of these things the idea that only the like biological or nuclear parents you know however you come upon a child that like they should be the only people who are on in a on the day-to-day caring for a child is deeply troubling and we should all be thinking about that and if your friends are having kids or your family members are having kids um or you are having kids i think it's a time that we all sort of look around ourselves and see like how can we restructure this so that we are supporting parents and supporting families and supporting babies so that they're not like alone you know mothers aren't alone children aren't alone everyone has like the adequate support that we had before factories essentially yes <laughs> is what i'm getting at yes. like pa- parenting we've made parenting so much harder than it needs to be it's already hard yeah it's already a full other human that can't provide for itself yeah and now we've just taken it and made it a zillion times more complicated yeah that's 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 my thing maybe maybe corporations were a bad idea maybe maybe we should everyone go go home and watch a bunch of studio ghibli movies and then (laughs) report back and uh that's that's how we can structure we we can restructure our society yeah we should all live in adorable cottages and with collectivized resources and have really cute pets yeah maybe a fire demon and definitely hello bacon yes yes <laughs> moving castle time let's go thank you for listening to the baba yaga project and as always thank you to all our patrons for making this project possible please follow us on twitter instagram and on our website for the most up-to-date happenings also please consider supporting us on patreon it really helps us continue the project and expand in some really exciting ways there's also patreon exclusive merch and content and we'll see you next week